0: Hey friends, it's Mal. Welcome back to the Witch Church Podcast if you're listening and welcome back to my YouTube channel if you're watching. So you may have heard a rumor that I'm doing a tarot class again, um, my tarot class called Tarot for Personal Transformation and it starts really, really soon, May 23rd, 2023. Um, this is my fifth, fifth time, I think, teaching this course and I'm super excited to welcome in this new cohort which is the emperor cohort and every single one of my tarot classes has a sort of um I guess we could say like the spirit card of the cohort and that card tends to show up in ways that we didn't even expect so it'll be interesting to see how the emperor shows up with this cohort. But regardless of that singular card, uh, tarot for personal transformation is a tarot class that will change your life, will teach you the cards in a really meaningful way that is unique to you. Um, we kind of get you out of guidebook mode and instead get you into storytelling mode, which I think is a really beautiful way to learn tarot. And yeah, it's just it's just a fun class. You'll meet your You'll meet your tarot crew. Um, yeah, we meet live on Zoom, but you can join from anywhere. You can watch the recordings if you miss a class. That being said, in um, in light of my tarot class coming up on May 23rd, uh, the details are going to be in the show notes. I really wanted to have like a tarot reader discussion uh because i usually do that i usually try to release some sort of special tarot episode um kind of hand in hand with the release of my class right and i was thinking i was like okay what could we do for a tarot episode and i have been following jesse huntenberg for years now she's actually been on the witch church podcast way back i think in 2020 i think my podcast still might have been called horoscope Witch. i don't know at this point um but you may also be familiar with jesse uh she's a tarot reader witchy youtube queen um, but actually it's funny because just from the outside looking in as someone again who follows jesse's content i've been watching her sort of evolve and Her sort of um, content has really changed, I think, in a really great way, and it seems like she's showing up in uh, a really different way than she used to. And on top of that, she's in the process of creating a tarot deck called the Genius Garden Tarot. So I was like, all right, this is perfect. I want to have Jesse on. We're going to talk about the tarot deck creation process, but also at the root of what I wanted to talk to Jesse about is how we can transform ourselves as content creators and also um, how that transformation in itself may sort of change our listenership, <laughs> how it might change the number of views we're getting, how certain people might relate more to like the shadowy sort of darker content and. You'll see how Jesse speaks to how her content has evolved a little bit more into the light and, (laughs) you know, how that sort of affected her, her follower base. And it's just a really interesting interview. If you are a content creator or a tarot reader or you're just marketing your services somehow to the world, um, Jesse and I really get at this sort of theme that every single content creator will go through, which is I'm going through a transformation, but my fan base still likes my old self, <laughs> you know? So how do I introduce this new version of me to my fan base? And, and what happens if I lose people along the way? And and what happens if I gain um, different people too that didn't find me before? Um, so again, that that public dealing with that public idea of transformation feels really juicy. So that's sort of why I titled this episode "Out of the Shadows <laughs> and Into the Light." Right. Um, so one more thing before we hop into the interview. Um, I definitely want to read Jesse's updated bio, but I also wanted to say that Jesse's Kickstarter for the Genius Garden Tarot is running through May 9th, 2023. So if you're listening to this right as this episode's being released, you still have time to join in on the Kickstarter. Uh, you can see the pictures of the cards on Jesse's YouTube, the um, Tarot Deck website, which I'll have below. Also Jesse's Instagram features the cards and they're like really, really beautiful. And I love the concept of the Genius Garden Tarot too. And I'm gonna tell you more about it here. So um, Jesse Huntenberg is an artist, writer, tarot reader um, who lives in Philadelphia. She creates offerings that evoke your genius, that glorious, creative, divine thing that's unique to you after dedicating the past eight years of her career to teaching tarot cards witchcraft and transformative ritual she's finally plucked up the courage to plunge into the wild and wonderful world of self-publishing her first tarot deck the genius garden tarot will be released this fall again don't miss out on the kickstarter if you're listening in a timely fashion and if you do find this Uh, If you find this interview way in the future, let's say the deck has already been published and it's it's out into the world I'm sure the links below will still lead you to supporting that that um, deck somehow and if you've never just stumbled upon Jesse's content before it's a great moment to do so so (laughs) without further ado, let's hop into the interview and we can listen to how both Jesse and I have kind of dealt with our inner transformations publicly and, and what that's been like. Okay. Enjoy the interview, guys. Jesse, welcome back to the Witch Church podcast. We haven't had you on since, I think, 2020. So it's been a second and I'm so Looking forward to getting like the life update and all of the juicy gossip from from <laughs> you and all of that. Um, but I will say I've been following your content for a really long time. Like even when I considered myself a baby witch, baby tarot reader, you were one of the first people that I found on YouTube and I really connected with. And lately. I've been noticing like such a shift in your content and quite frankly it seems lighter and it seems more filled with like joy and pleasure and and nature which is so interesting because when I first found you it was very shadow worky I remember specifically Following some of your Morrigan content, where you were working with this like dark shadow goddess, and um, I was like, "Wow, this this Scorpio's intense," you know. So, <laughs> what it's kind of bringing up for me is like, um, you know, as witches, as tarot readers, we're constantly saying the word transformation. But then when it comes to our own transformation, it's kind of hard to grapple with. So I'm wondering, like, what has it been like? It kind of seems like you're not doing a 180, but there's there's for sure a huge difference between the content you were putting out versus now. I I know I'm not asking you a specific question, but I just wanted to say, like, wow, like there's there's a transformation here. (laughs)
1: Uh, indeed, indeed. And it actually, it's very challenging. There's so much I could say about this. I think I'm just gonna, I think I'm just gonna start and see where it goes. It is very challenging to share your spiritual practice publicly and to offer tools and resources to others that are very geared towards a specific Um, manifestation of spirituality or spiritual practice or a particular approach um, and to have your own journey lead you somewhere different and then continue to kind of engage and share in that way that's not necessarily reflective or resonant of where you are on the journey any longer there is a huge dissonance that takes there's huge dissonance in that Um, And it's something that kind of comes on slowly and then the gap widens as you continue to grow and shift and change. And what it is that you are offering publicly doesn't necessarily reflect where you personally are on the spiritual journey. So when I began doing this, um, like you said, you found me in 2018, which was, you know, pretty early. I, I started my, I think I started with a, a YouTube channel and a blog almost at the exact same time, sometime in um, in early 2016. I know that I launched my tarot reading business in June of 2016. So, I've been doing this for quite a while. And when I started offering resources in blog form and on YouTube, I was very much engaged on my own shadow work journey. I was in the shadow. Um, I I remember also saying a couple times in a couple videos that like I live in the darkness and that's kind of very much how I felt. Um, and I wanted to know and to understand that darkness more fully. And that's really what shadow work is. Um, you know, shadow work being um, spearheaded by Jung and being this process of shining a light on our unconscious or our subconscious and trying to bring forth some of those things about ourselves that are hidden in shame. And so we can understand them and integrate them and become a fully formed, fully integrated being. And really what that means, like everyone's like, what, what does it mean to be integrated? What it really means is to accept your shadow, um, and to, you know, kind of reclaim those parts of yourself that you have Distance yourself from because you're ashamed of them, because maybe you don't like them, because maybe even realistically, there are aspects of your personality that are antisocial, that cause problems, that may actually be harmful to other people as well as to yourself. So it's, you know, it's no mystery to me why the shadow is in shadow, because some of these aspects of self are really challenging to deal with. And, you know, they, they show us in our deep complexity. And they show us that, yeah, you're not perfect. Yes. You also have these tendencies or even you have the p- propensity to do great harm to yourself and others in the world. So a lot of times we'll push these, these propensities away from us because we don't want to recognize them. And shadow work is shining a light on this, looking at these aspects of selves and, and reincorporating it and say, yeah, I'm not perfect. Yeah. Sometimes I I don't always act and show up in a way that's, beneficial to myself and other people. Maybe I'm not always self-loving. Maybe I'm not always compassionate. You know, maybe I'm not always all of these things that we would so desire to be. So I dove deeply into my shadow work journey. It was helped by working with, like you said, the dark goddess Morrigan and really like embracing that energy. And I found that working with the dark goddess was instrumental in helping me to kind of accept and recognize those aspects of myself that I'd hidden in shadow. And it was like, a, it was an amazing experience working with the dark goddess Morgan. And I worked with her for probably four years, pretty, um, you know, pretty intensely. And then sha- and um, tarot was also a practice for me that I used to learn more about my shadow, about those repressed aspects of self. And this went on for quite some time. <laughs> And I kind of almost switched my focus from offering resources about tarot specifically to offering resources about um, that concerning transformative ritual, working with uh, dark goddess energy. I came to tarot before I came to witchcraft, but not much not not much longer before. There was there wasn't really that. It was like a a couple months gap, I'd say. And through doing this work and offering this work, I found that I was really helping a lot of people too. Uh, I was sharing a lot about my own shadow, sharing a lot about my own journey, um, and also helping others, helping guide others on their journey through tarot readings and sessions, and then what became e-courses. And there was, there was more of a focus on shadow, and there was also more of a focus on witchcraft, magic, paganism as modalities through which we could kind of do this work. And it was about two years. It's about two years ago. It was about three years ago where I started feeling a shift, an inner shift. And I can speak to it now because I have a, a certain clarity as to what was going on, but at the time I didn't really know what was going on. I was, I ended up like kind of falling away from, from the Morrigan specifically. I think that's how it started where I never, I didn't feel like working with that. I didn't feel the same connection to that Mm -hmm. deity. And to anyone who's worked with deity very consciously and very intensely, this can kind of be a little bit devastating because it's a relationship you develop regardless of your paradigm, regardless of whether you think that this is an actual spiritual entity that exists or if you think it's like, you know, an aspect of your unconscious, regardless losing that kind of relationship can be really challenging and it can also be really confusing when it's not really necessarily something that you asked for it just kind of began slowly but surely to fall away so that was like my first indication that things were shifting and changing my second indication that things were shifting and changing is that it became harder for me to offer tarot readings to others um and this is actually this is very complex and i think Everyone experiences this differently. I think when I first started uh, reading tarot, I was very much approaching it from the perspective of the wounded healer. And I think that I was kind of receiving healing through offering tarot readings, that there was like a, a dynamic happening there. And I felt deeply engaged with that work and felt like I could offer that in a way that was very supportive but I started to feel because I was at that po- at this point I was doing a lot I was doing many many readings every month and I started to feel that I was no longer the best person to do this particular work which was also completely destabilizing. So first, you know, the the relationship with the matron falls away, and now the work that I've been doing, that that I really feel has been a, a great service to others, is falling away as a calling, as like a um, like a central calling. So that was weird <laughs> and confusing. Yeah, and eventually the modalities that we specifically associate with witchcraft began to fall away as well. I just began to practice them less frequently. And so this was almost, I don't think that this was anything that I orchestrated on purpose. I think it was just a, an outcropping of where I was going on the spiritual journey. And honestly, the more that I integrated my shadow and the more that i kind of healed the less i felt called to engage in these specific ways which was very destabilizing so there was a period and i honestly think that as i'm finishing the creation of the genius garden tarot which is a tarot deck that i'm that i've been working on for the past year it feels almost like you know the world in tarot there's there's a sense of completion this journey that began um this journey of change and transformation that began is you know it's coming to completion through the completion of this specific creative output and in this time i've just had to kind of like do a complete 180 and it's been very hard because i didn't in this liminal space i didn't necessarily know where i was going <laughs> And it's one thing to do that on the personal journey, okay? It's one thing to be in liminality in private. It's another thing to be in liminality when who it is that you are publicly is very much fused with modalities, services, and um, practices that you are deeply associated with and that everyone has come to you specifically for. I was just like, what am I going to do? Like, (laughs) it's like not only is like my spirituality changing, but like the way I show up in the world publicly and the business that I own and that I've cultivated over years is going to have to change because of this. And I don't know if anyone's going to be left at the end of this journey. I might have to sacrifice my you know, my public the way I show, you know my 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 business, it's a hard it's I don't even know what to call it, but like this thing I've been building in public for others is something I'm that might not survive the chopping block of this process.
0: Oh my gosh. yeah, uh I I relate so much to like this story of being in the shadow and then realizing the shadow work is getting out of the shadow Mm -hmm. in a weird way Um, and I think as as people who practice some sort of witchcraft magic whatever we want to call it now I'm I'm leaning more towards just like nature worship Mm -hmm. as my witchcraft practice (laughs) yes and you know there's something there too though about like how much of the shadow are we engaging in and how are we engaging with it? And something that kind of just sparks my intuition from what you've said is that um, misery loves company. And not that I'm saying you were miserable when you were making the shadow work content, that's not it. But like you said, you were living in the darkness and potentially some of your followers Probably even me at some point was really attracted to like, ooh, this this like, scorpionic witch who is doing all this shadow work, and like, I want to go into my shadow, and I want to, you know, kind of be in that in that space. Which there's nothing wrong with that at all. I think all no. of, all <laughs> of us almost have to go on that journey at some point in our spiritual sort of evolution. But then when you as the practitioner or as the witch or as the content creator start to, let's say, emerge from the shadow and then you feel like, oh wait, I have these followers who, who loved when I was in the shadow. So now that I'm presenting a completely different thing, Will those people follow me or will they just say, oh, you've changed or whatever? Which by the way, I think is a fear that us content creators have. Like one of our our followers commenting on a YouTube video that's like, wow, you changed. Or like, (laughs) you know, and we're like, well, all I talk about is personal transformation. And then what if I'm demonized? for being if we're changing you know <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah it's it's really it's really challenging and i have i have to say a a lot a lot of people did fall away and i don't even blame them because what it is that i'm offering now the tone is so different um so people who are in the midst of you know, deep shadow and a shadow working journey probably aren't going to resonate with some of the things that I'm saying. And you know, we go in cycle, like we move in cycles, too. Like we move in and out of cycles of shadow. So but I think sometimes the way that we interact and engage with shadow changes over time. Um, you know if if we're really trying to integrate, you know, if we're really trying to integrate the light and dark sides of ourselves, and eventually we're going to come to this place of kind of harmony between the two there's going to be a less extreme vacillation like it's not going to be like all joy or all darkness it kind of it kind of moves in and out of each other in a more um in a more balanced way but we can also go through these cycles where we go from dark to light to dark to light and i mean reminiscent of the phases of the moon for example um you know we wax and we wane but on the spiritual journey, we kind of come, you know, we, we try to get closer to a space of balance. And uh, this is also something that I've discovered too. Right now, we're very much living in a time of extremes. So when you come to a space of balance, um, there's also and the the ego gets, the ego gets can get trapped. Um, but when you come to a space of balance, I'm this is not true across the board. But I'm seeing this right now. There's there's going to be less people there to hear about the balance. At least that's where I have arrived right now, and that could just be because of where I came from. If that makes any sense. Um, oh, yeah. There's more. I mean, you can even look in terms of algorithms. There's more at- attention for ex- extreme viewpoints, or for even just like focusing on the extreme end of a a pole, like the polar spectrum than there is for that, that middle space or that middle way. So there was definitely a falling away. Um, But I think again, it was as like my personality, personality is such a nebulous word, but like as my personality kind of balanced itself out, There was a great falling away. I think from maybe because my, my perspectives these days really aren't that extreme. Like they are definitely more balanced. Like there's more of a um, a sense of balance, I think, in in what I offer up there. And that's just like a, an honest reflection of where I am on the spiritual journey. And uh, in terms of, I'll say the word publicity, which really necessarily means like oh, public awareness of the person, the entity a public awareness of the entity where the public awareness of the entity will kind of fade a little bit because there isn't that that extreme aspect to attract if that makes any sense
0: oh yeah, 100% yeah and you know i think you know what this is bringing up for me too is the sort of um like there's, there's wisdom in knowing when it's time to leave the hermit's cave, when it's time to leave the shadowscape. And um, when we don't ever leave it, then that's a whole ego story in itself.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And um, there's something there too, about like, how you're integrating the shadow. I know for you it kind of began with the Morgan kind of feeling like, oh, my my phone reception to the Morrigan, it's getting a little staticky. You know, she's not picking up as much. And, you know, there were some other elements, maybe your spiritual tools weren't calling you as much like the the literal like wands and brooms and crystals and everything um was there a sort of an epiphany moment within yourself where you realized like oh it's it's time to come into the light a little bit more or did that just kind of happen naturally over time
1: I think it definitely happened. It happened naturally over time. So there wasn't any singular event that convinced me that this was like where I needed to be. I do kind of remember when the shift, and you're talking about nature worship. So I there's like a bit of a dichotomy. Me in the light is like me in in nature, just living and connecting in that way. And then me in the darkness is it has, there's a lot of um, props. I don't, you know, like even when you think of like, you know, spirituality in the summer versus spirituality in the winter, um, you know, you're inside a lot more than you would be. You're not as connected with nature in that respect. So then more of the esoteric elements to your practice seem like more, almost more attractive because it's like what you have to work with, that makes any sense. Um, and they seem, and it's fun, you know, it's like something, you know, but I think it was, again, it was like two, it really was like two years ago where it just, where I realized that I wanted to feel better. And that in order for me to feel better, I was just going to have to let go of this aspect of my personality or my personality that had been so instrumental for such a long time and that I'd really really identified with. You know, you start to identify with your trauma after a while. You start to identify with those experiences and it becomes a part of your personality. Um and I knew that if I really wanted to move forward in terms of spiritual growth and development, I was just going to have to let that go. And I think that that happened in April of 2 years ago. So mm-hmm. April's like a big April beginning of May huge transformative time for me usually um you know the beginning of the astrological year makes sense um (laughs) but i remember going outside and i am i still had my patreon then even i've i've even closed my patreon because i realized having to create so much like something new every week was just stifling my ability to grow. And I felt like I was almost like regurgitating. It just, it became something that I didn't feel was resonant or workable for me specifically any longer. But I went out to my favorite spot outside and I, I just made this like video, like this vlog of nature, of, of, of me walking in the grass of the sun through the clouds. And, um, and I realized that that's all my spirituality really needed to be. And that I felt the most profound connection and still do to this day, just by like sitting in the grass and that it didn't, for me to feel the connection, I didn't, it didn't require the modalities that I'd been using before and that it could be simpler. I could get the same sense of connection through this, just allowing myself to be in the world itself and to kind of have like union in that experience. So like, and I made that, um, I made that vlog and I offered it to my people. Um, And it looks, it looked very different from the things that I'd been offering but it also felt so much more like who I actually was naturally. And I felt, and then, you know in really diving so deeply into my shadow I discovered, and also just really, really giving myself over to spiritual practice and making it such a cornerstone of my life that I had kind of repressed another another aspect of myself, which is the self that just really enjoys reading, you know, transcendental poetry in the grass and then calling that spirituality to be honest and that's like my most natural form um and that i i realized at that moment that that was what made sense and that i could no longer i no longer felt like i couldn't create in the same vein that I'd been creating because it no longer felt like where it is that I was. So I continued to offer like all of my courses that were very much witchcraft focused for at least like another two years to incredibly recently because I realized that they could definitely serve serve people, you know, Um, but that I myself had changed. And if I continued to, and that my personality had become a persona and that didn't feel right. Like I could no longer go on playing that part, which it wasn't me playing a part before. It wasn't. And I, I've, it's been very hard for me to kind of verbalize this to my own audience. I'm like that was who I was very much then. Like I, what that wasn't a persona, right? Especially at the beginning. Um, but you know, there was a time there of cognitive dissonance where it became a persona and that felt awful. Like I'm still trying to be what other people, what I felt that my audience needed or what they came here for, right? I'm still trying to offer what they'd showed up for but it was no longer reflective of my, of where it is that I was. So it felt really disingenuous. And I knew that I, I had to stop doing that because it wasn't sustainable. Even if I had to like sacrifice my business in its form, which I kind of have, to be honest, like I had, because I also want, you know, people who are going through this to know that, like, you know, your fears about losing things are not unfounded. And that's why a lot of people don't, why they continue. And I get it. Um, because there is loss in that and then you have to rebuild again um, but it was just it was just what needed to happen for me I couldn't continue to show up in the world in that way um, in integrity and authenticity
0: and yes, yeah you know uh, and now you're kind of making me think about um, and this is no shade to any like witchy content creators or whatnot, but you are making me think like, you know, some of like the really po- popular tarot readers, like on TikTok or, or Instagram or whatever, who have the aesthetic mm-hmm. or the, the sort of very curated Instagram profile or whatever curated YouTube playlist. Um, you know, are they acting within a persona I think it's too much of a generality to say like everybody with a with (laughs) witchy aesthetic is acting in a persona but yeah there is something like um, a little bit intangible about that lifestyle that makes it all more intriguing to watch or or view or whatnot and um, I'm relating to what you're saying in the sense of like as I've quote-unquote healed and as i've integrated the shadow a little bit more um i've become less interested in content creation aesthetics as a whole mm-hmm. and i just truly don't have the energy for it and you're totally correct like does that make me money no like <laughs> I would make more money, probably, if I was keeping up with a certain aesthetic or um, keeping up with a certain vibe. And instead, I'm presenting human version of Mal, who also does read tarot and has a genuine passion for astrology, but I just, I don't have it in me mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually to keep up with um, some uh, content situation, especially if Instagram is going to blow up one day, you know, and we're never going to see it again, which is a very real possibility. I have a real issue with that. Like I'm going to put all this work into curating something that doesn't feel hundred percent right to me that's then going to disappear one day. Like, no, I don't know if you get that, like that sort of loss of interest in the content creation in some way. Oh yeah. Um,
1: I think that was part of it too, because for a while there, success can be a funny thing. Um, And especially if you can identify how it happened and do more of it. And, you know, I definitely was, cause I, I love, I do love beautiful things. I will admit, I love <laughs> beauty. I'm not going to pretend that I don't, because that's one of the reasons why I deeply connect to nature. I'm just like, why is it so beautiful? Oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. But um, there is this, if you are able to pull off the aesthetic, you will get more attention. And that is that period. Mm-hmm. Um, And that also, it takes a lot of creative energy to do. So I actually kind of almost understand influencers specifically who have made that their artwork, who have made, you know, and that's how, and they decide that that's how they're going to, you know, generate an income is through the creation of this um, visual feast that people keep showing up to look at. Um, but for me, it was never. I was always I always wanted my business to be services. I wanted it to be something different. I didn't want it to just be the what i the content that I created specifically. Um, but when I was doing it that way, I mean, i I could you look at analytics and you even just you can see and just notice patterns and what works and what doesn't. Um, and I started doing a little bit of um, experimentation to see how things were going to go. Um, I'm also, I'm an, I'm an INFJ, so I'm all about recognizing the patterns and I can't help, I can't even help but recognize them. So I would play around with almost like uh, with YouTube thumbnails. And I already knew which ones were going to garner the most views. Um, if you'll notice now, my my YouTube channel has just like, the the views have decreased significantly because I was just like, I'm not just going to do what I know is going to get views. And yeah. I had to make that conscious. And I was like, and I know it's going to tank it. And it did. <laughs> so the reason people do this is because it works. Um, and for me, again, doing what I knew was going was gonna work. It, it just I was like, you know what? I have I can't. i can't I can't do it um because it's not. um because even, I, I had just I had just begun to feel so disconnected and you know every and this is something I spoke about a couple maybe even three years ago in another interview is like you know you used to sit down in your sacred space and do what you're going to do and then the more you begin to share especially if you get really caught up in that aesthetic that you sit down in the sacred space and you're like oh I should take a picture of this and then you start like I think I was talking to Alvine Green I don't know if you're familiar with her Um, It's like, oh, I should like, let me put my crystals like this, this, like, let me, uh, 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 the lighting's not quite right. So like, let me put the lighting on in this specific way, which is like fine if you're setting up to take a picture, but it's not really fine if you sat down to engage in spiritual practice. Um, So that was like, that was another element of it that began to feel disingenuous to me. And I knew that that's what... That's what you had to do. The reason people do it is because you kind of have to in order to have, and again, I'm gonna just take like exposure in order for <laughs> people to show up, right? Um, and so me, the conscious choice, making the conscious choice to to show up in the way that felt natural and good, I knew what I was doing. like. I knew that I could be sacrificing everything that I'd built, which is why it took me so long to really make the transition. I think because Mm -hmm. I I invested so much time and energy into this and it was my livelihood and like, but honestly, letting go of that inevitably it, it gave it, it let me, it gave me my creative verve. Like at so much, I had been spending so much energy on that. I realized that all I was making, I wasn't making anything of substance, not what I really wanted to create or make. And I also knew I needed to sacrifice that so I could get some of the libido, creative libido, which is like another way of saying like the energy, the drive, the motivation to create a work that I really wanted to create, which has become um, the genius garden tarot. I don't think I ever would have been able to have the time, energy or effort or, like that I needed to create that deck if I hadn't let go of of the aesthetic of wanting to get engagement wanting to get views I knew it was a huge risk when I took it It still feel and it still feels like a huge risk even as like I'm finishing it up And the Kickstarter campaign is like, in its last days, I'm like, oh girl, what did you do? (laughs) (laughs) As As I'm giving birth to this deck and I'm like, you know, in tears over what I've created and how excited other people are for it at the same time. So I don't regret it because it gave me what I needed to create something I've always, I've always wanted to create a work. And in my mind, in my early ego mind, it was a great work. Um, but as I've integrated, I was like, it doesn't need to be a great work. It just needs to be a work of genius, like of your personal creative divine. So I've been able to do that. So it was worth the exchange.
0: (laughs) Oh gosh. And I I definitely, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm dying to ask you about the sort of creation of the genius garden tarot in a moment but I do want to just thank you for like saying all of that in the sort of sense of um like the honesty of like yeah like I've lost followers or like I've lost um people who were keeping track of what I was doing and um I I mean, 100 percent same story with me, <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't think I had as big of a intentional content shift as you've had, but I gotta say, if I really look at it, um I got significantly more views when I was, um, really struggling with like mental health stuff and Uh. (laughs) I mean, literally since I've kind of, (laughs) I, this sounds so sick, but like, (laughs) I mean, I, I, I've really done a lot with healing depression. Like I'm now on, you know, meds and I, I'm doing different things that feel really good. And since I haven't had a, depressive episode in like two years I've I've lost a lot of podcast listeners (laughs) and like again like is this like some I mean it's not necessarily misery loves company but it's like the frequency of healing and like you said getting out of extremism Mm -hmm. and into a more neutral state it's sometimes it's not appealing to social media like you know the algorithm loves extremism like you said and um oftentimes we do lose money as content creators when we're pre- oh, yeah. we're, we're presenting um the authenticity that everybody says they want but not you know so i just want to say thank you for saying that and i don't think you and I are the only content creators who, who struggle with this. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and yeah, there is this sort of dissonance that I think every single spiritual being who puts their content out on YouTube, on Instagram, eventually you will come up against this dissonance of, I have now changed and transformed away from my original aesthetic that I was presenting and now what do I do because people still like that aesthetic but Mm -hmm. I am no longer that Uh,
1: you know it's it's crazy it's crazy it's also it's incredibly challenging Um, for me the business journey has always been a huge aspect of the spiritual journey anyway it it will unearth so many shadows it's it's oh yeah it's it's amazing what you that's, can learn from doing this <laughs> about yourself.
0: I that's what I tell my tarot students. I'm, if you really want to do shadow work, just start a business. Yep. <laughs> you know You don't even need to buy the the cauldron and the and the water. No. Just, just start a business and your shadow self will be right in front of your face now, all the time it will bring <laughs> your
1: deepest insecurities to the fore constantly um yes yes in which it's an opportunity for growth again which is like another reason why I think people who who do this and who do it publicly they do have these shifts because even in the doing of it it's it's alchemizing that change you know like it's it's becomes like this becomes almost like a like a
0: lifestyle (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um,
0: it it sounds like to like in sort of it feels like you found a new muse In or not really a new muse, but you've rediscovered something that, that really did speak to you, like the transcendental poets and, and just being with the nature spirits. Would you say, did the nature spirits give you the download of um, the new tarot deck, the genius garden tarot deck, or how did you come into this idea?
1: So I feel that, you know, there's the oversoul, God, you know, the all, whatever it is that you want to call it, uh, the collective unconscious, so many different names for it that connects us all. And then I feel that then we have that personal connection that manifests itself through us, like the divine, the divine light that filters itself through our physical being and becomes, um, again, it's, it's, what I refer to as genius, and people can also refer to it as their soul. The reason I refer to it as genius specifically because of the like Reco, I believe it's Greek. I always, for some reason, like, is it Greek or Roman? I'm going to say genius is Greek. And the original conception of genius or like genius loci is that like every single physical entity that exists has its own individual spirit. Okay. Even like places, people, specific doorways, you know, like it has its own attendant spirit. And that means that like we too as beings have a genius, our own attendant spirit, which, you know, in the um in the in the the Western world, I guess, in the Christian um conception can be referred to as almost like a guardian angel in a way. And But that's not quite it. It's not quite it because it also, the genius also very much has our own attributes or like reflects our own attributes. It's very much like personally, personal and interlinked. And then as time went on, genius evolved to kind of represent this idea of like the personal, your personal brilliance, right? So when we think of genius, we think of someone who's particularly clever or intelligent um but i kind of take it back to, like i take it back a few incarnations <laughs> etymologically speaking the genius is that like divine aspect of self that like that that connects us with it's like it connects the physical human embodied self with the divine and it is unique it does have some of our attributes um and so i'd say that is what inspired me to create the genius garden tarot and i say that because like the even like the gods of nature and the, you know, the oversoul, they're, they're just, they're, they're creating, right? The world that we see and they created us and there's still this idea. And this is like, again, this is like a Christian idea, but all of these things interlap that like God creates you in in God's own image. There's this suggestion that because we are, we are aware of ourselves in the way that we are, that we have like godlike abilities that we can create and we can like be as gods on earth. Um, and that's what I think kind of inspires art. Um, we create art to be closer to the creative force of God and to kind of express that personally, which is why I think it's so beautiful. It's almost like we're honoring the creative force of all life by choosing to create something to add to it, you know? Um, and that's what I think powered, uh, the genius garden tarot and i've been really playing with this idea of genius for a really long time and thinking about it and also thinking about the importance of the surrounding environment when it comes to allowing that divine embodiment to kind of present itself and like a cultivation of our environment to help bring that forth to kind of encourage that expression of self and um it's directly related, again, to doing shadow work and healing the shadow because the shadow wants us to keep us very small. And sometimes it really wants to disconnect us from that. Um, it doesn't always want us to recognize or realize that we are divine, um, that we are fine as we are, that who we show up to be is great. And not only just great, but also like divinely perfect. I don't mean like ego perfection. <laughs> perfect in our imperfection. So that was really what I think that force, that creative, the genius is the inner creative force. It's like the channeling of the creative force of the cosmos through individual expression. And I feel like that's, and you can you can also call it a, like a muse, but that's like, that's how I feel when I'm called to do something like that. The creation of the the tarot deck was that. I just was called to paint and I started painting for like a week like very deeply inspired and I painted the first card which was the Empress and also kind of a unintentional self-portrait. And then once I saw it, I was like, oh that's the Empress. And I'm like, oh I'm making a tarot deck now. And it just it just kind of hmm, there it was. And I know it's like people want there to be more to that story, but that's it. No, I was I... so like it wasn't planned really like I always thought I would probably I've tried to make I was conceptualizing an Oracle deck in the past. Like I've always wanted to make a deck, but the timing was never right. And then when I I wasn't trying to make a deck when this happened, it's like, oh, it's time, it's time now. I'm like, okay. And I just
0: kind of went for it. Well, it's so funny because like Jesse five years ago would have been like thinking, maybe, ooh, I'm gonna make a shadow working Oracle deck mm-hmm. or something along those lines, or like a Morrigan or Oracle deck. And then It's like you let it go and you let this like your own genius speak through you. And it's like, oh, wait, the spirit of this deck is to kind of remind us of our own divinity Mm -hmm. and, you know, our own, um, our own light. Mm -hmm. It's how cool is that? Because a lot of the times we speak about our tarot decks as like, tough teachers like ooh, this tarot deck really calls me out on my shit like I <laughs> probably said that before I've heard a lot of tarot content creators say things like that about certain decks that you know help them uh sort of mirror their shadow side or whatever but it feels like the spirit of this deck is inherently kind and you know something that might remind us of our light or even remind us that there's a time to emerge from the shadow Mm -hmm. and I don't want to put words in the tarot decks mouth, if that's possible but that's kind of what I'm getting from from your description of of the of the energy of the deck oh absolutely there is there's I feel there's a
1: definite gentleness to the deck um and definitely it's figures in nature and that was also and not even like abundant lush nature but not barren either just like vast expanses um because I wanted there to be a clarity and a simplicity um and I find again, I can't wait until people actually get the deck in their hand and start working with it because I think its value will become apparent through working with it. It's hard to see that when you're just looking at it, that I designed each card to kind of draw you into a pathworking journey. Mm. When you create negative, when you include negative space in a card, it does that. And when you kind of strip. The figures in the card down to their basic essence. it does that. You do not get distracted by detail. And that was very much my intention. Um, you know, I could have I could have done something more elaborate, but I consciously chose not to. And I have kept like simplicity at the forefront in terms of the images that i that I've included in the deck because I want clarity to be something. I don't necessarily want too much kind of whirling. Th- I don't want people to be like that symbol, that symbol, that symbol, that symbol, that symbol, that symbol, that is that is fun and that is cool. And that is very much a way to read tarot. My intention was just, here's an image. Just look into it for a second and see almost like scrying. I kind of did want like a, it to be a little bit of a scrying experience. Um, almost more like a like a roar shock. at like it's like what do I feel? Um, I wanted it to be simple um, in its expression, and I wanted it to be gentle. Symbol. I wanted you to come away from the the reading feeling like ah like like almost like clarified. Not I didn't want you. I don't want people to come away with the reading from the reading with a million questions. Um, I wanted it to kind of just be that clarifying to kind of jumpstart that clarifying experience. At least again, that was my intention. The deck has not been produced as of yet. I still have, I guess, six more cards to do, which will not take me long. But then once those are finished, I can get production rolling. I'm really, really excited to see what how other people experience it, because it still belongs to me too. I have like a dummy deck that's not completely finished that I've been working with for the past couple months, because I want to get a sense of how the deck reads. And I have, and so I'm the only one who knows what it reads like at this point, has <laughs> any kind of, um, opinion, um, I am excited to see what other people think. And it's been, it's been really interesting to also just see people's reactions, just looking at it. People are like, "Oh, simple. Some people are like, well, it's not for me. And other people have been like, oh my gosh, I've been waiting for something like this. So it's like everyone has their own, it speaks to different people differently. And I think that that's really cool. I'm excited to see what it, what it does out in the world.
0: I, I am too. And, you know, You know, one, I know our our time is kind of ticking here, but one question that I wanted to ask about the deck and maybe in relation to this idea that the spirit of the deck may be calling in seekers who maybe are now in a chapter of their healing journey or their spiritual evolution where maybe they're, they've done the shadow work, and now they're like, all right, maybe I've bought into my suffering too much, <laughs> or maybe I've over-identified with this sadness or this piece of um, grief. Not that those feelings are invalid at all. In fact, I think we need to work with those feelings but oh, yes it's, it's necessary <laughs> yes but i'm thinking like for you um what advice or guidance do you have slash what advice or guidance does your tarot deck kind of hold when it comes to maybe people saying something like i'm in the shadow but i'm feeling like it's time to emerge from the shadow but i don't know how or like i'm struggling with how to find joy or find pleasure or kind of embrace the light after so long kind of hanging out in my shadow selves this is
1: this is a hard question to just be able to it's it's usually a process it's not like any one thing um you have to stop identifying with your shadow yeah. over-identifying with your shadow. Um, recognize that it is an element of your journey, and that the power that it has is not is a power that you don't need to feed. There's something really tempting about hanging out in shadow. When you're hanging out in shadow, it's very easy to conceptualize yourself as someone who has been wronged and which we've all been wronged, right? Um, Like again, you're saying it's it's a legitimate, like I've been wronged, right? Um, But if you can't really emerge from the shadow until you stop focusing on what's gone wrong or who has wronged you or what you perceive to be wrong about yourself like there has to be that moment where you take where you take the power back as long as you see yourself as someone who has been wronged or someone who is wrong you have very little power
0: Mm.
1: or you you know you give power to People, conditions, and circumstances um, rather than yourself. And this is hard. And, um, you know, it's hard for me to verbalize this because often people who aren't quite there yet don't want to hear this, or they hear it as a personal attack, or they hear it as, oh, you don't, you're completely denying the hardships that I've been through, or you're completely denying the trauma that I've gone through. It's heard as almost, Oh, you think that you think I should just you know pick myself up from my by my bootstraps and move on, right? Um, where that's not really what's intended. What's intended is, I don't know who said this, and I'm paraphrasing here. It's like what has happened to you is not your fault, but it is your responsibility. Doesn't that suck? Yeah. <laughs> you have to move to that point where you become responsible for healing yourself. And where you, and the thing is, the blame that you place on others, they probably deserve it. And that's, that's where I think people get hung up. It's just like, no, but they did that to me. And that was awful to like, yes, Yes, you were deeply wronged and someone hurt you and you didn't deserve it. You're right. The unfortunate part is if you don't take responsibility for healing the pain that someone else caused, you never, they're always, it's almost like they're, they're doing it to you over and over and over again. Every time you're triggered, that person's hurting you again. Um, So you have to take responsibility for your own healing in order to completely move beyond and to actually be in your own power and recognize that crappy things are always going to happen throughout your life. People are going to betray you. (laughs) People you love are going to totally and completely misunderstand you in ways that cut you to the quick. These things are going to continue happening. And to climb out of the shadow, you have to develop an inner strength and a sense of compassion and a sense of understanding um, of yourself and others that allows you to move on despite that. yeah, that's that's really what it's really what needs to happen and say, OK, all this stuff that happened isn't my fault, but I'm the only person who can fix it. So let's fix it. And the healing, the shadow work, the a really intense period of shadow work is almost like the beginning of the healing journey and mistaking shadow work for healing.
0: Will keep you stuck, I think, Uh Oh, big. Yeah, because if you just go to therapy and forget to do the dance class that really lights you up, Mm -hmm. therapy doesn't have as big of an effect (laughs) as you're forgetting the other side of it, you know. And also, can I just say what you just described I was seeing the five of swords in the tarot and I was like, that's, that's a really good way to conceptualize the five of swords. Um, so mm-hmm. I just want to know that that, that card popped into my mind as you were giving the answer, but, but yeah, I think, you know, what you said really speaks to part of my healing too, which is like, where have I been over identifying with this or that and and how do I rewrite the story, which is is a lot of what we've done publicly. <laughs> Has everybody liked it? No, <laughs> but no. but no. we're <laughs> writing the story. Um well well Jesse, I wanna um I want to give you some space to talk about the um the Kickstarter for Genius Garden. Uh, but I also wanted to if if you feel comfortable, I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you do you want to do a, a little card poll for sort of a, a yes. okay, an extra layer of reflection on our on our theme today as a sort of ending point? Sure. Do you want me to pull a card? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Maybe
1: oh my genius. gosh, where's there's the deck? Hold on. <laughs> okay had to go grab my deck (laughs) (laughs) it was in sacred space Uh, i also just wanted to say when you said that made you think of the five of swords in this deck the figure actually is holding um in the genius garden tarot the figure is holding the sword point toward their chin and Um, then there's, there's a figure in the back with the rest of the swords on a mountain like grieving their deaths so like the person in the back grieving has like begun the process of healing and the person in the forefront is just holding the tip um, to their chin and like just continuing to generate that kind of suffering. Oh,
0: wow. Oh, that's <laughs> so powerful.
1: Ooh, I'm going to pull a card. Oh, do you know what card just popped up? <laughs> the death card.
0: Oh my gosh! And we've been talking about trans- death this entire time, so this is amazing. <laughs> and this is actually one of the cards
1: that um, I think perfectly illustrates it. I use it in the in you know the text and the Kickstarter campaign to kind of illustrate what this deck really accentuates, and there like that hopefulness and and resiliency through struggle. So usually in in the RWS or Rider-Waite-Smith version of the tarot, you see death riding um, you know, a dark horse and there's very much a grim reaper element <laughs> to the depiction and this idea that death comes for, for all men or all people, um, that it doesn't matter if you're in the highest position or the lowest, if you have a lot or you have very little, it's the great equalizer. Um, and in this deck, particularly we see actual like lava fields. I don't know if you can trying to make it so you can see yeah. um, smoke rising from the cracks in the in the lava fields. And then there is one little shoot green shoot coming up um, through the lava to kind of allow that connection like without death. There is no rebirth. and when one thing falls away, it necessarily paves the way for something else because that's just a cosmic law. Um, In terms of the universe that we live in, things are created and things are destroyed infinitely um, according to our understanding. So I very much wanted the death card to include that element that it's not just that in death, there is the seed of rebirth and that when you feel something falling away, um, as in the case of <laughs> spiritual evolution, you're in the midst of that transformation. It can be really challenging. But if you remember that in this actual falling away and in this actual death that you're experiencing, it, it includes the seed of rebirth cosmically. That can be what you hold on to, to get you through, you know, the, the dark night of that transformation.
0: Mm yeah that's juicy. and i and I <laughs> I love the um the lava metaphor to this sort of like the volcano erupts and destroys, and then the lava creates mm-hmm. foundation, yeah, very fertile soil. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. oh I'm so glad we got a little sneak peek of the of the genius garden tarot. And Jesse, you're um your, Kickstarter is live until May 9th,
1: 2020. Just yes. that. Until that? May 9th, 2023. Oh, it's 11.11 11 right now. Sorry, like just looked at my clock to see the 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 date. And I'm like, oh, 11.11. Um, but <laughs> angel numbers. But so the Kickstarter is live until noon on or no, 10 a.m., I believe, May 9th. Okay. Um, so there's 12 actually probably 11 technically now what time it is there's 11 days left in the kickstarter um so where we are right now we're very we're very close so i'm excited <laughs> awesome. but um yeah and it's also going to be if you're like coming to this later as well it's definitely going to be available for pre-order too so even if you're like listening to us chat and you're like oh that's already passed it's still it's still it's still available if you're listening to this now and you're interested um Feel free to check out uh, the link or even you can say Genius Garden Tarot Kickstarter and it will pop up and you'll be able to find out more about the deck, about my intentions for it, about how and why it was created. And it's really exciting. So um, if you choose to go check it out, thank you so much in advance. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. And um I'll leave, I'll of course have all of your info in the show notes, your YouTube channel. I know you've been doing some tarot scopes with the genius garden tarot. So if any of the listeners are interested in getting that visual of what the deck looks like, check out those tarot scopes. We'll have the link to the Kickstarter in the show notes. And um and yeah, it's it's just been such a pleasure and I, I love how whatever we, I'm pretty sure our last interview was about shadow work. So I just, <laughs> love, I love how this has evolved in a, in just the strangest, but most beautiful way. And, um, and one more thing I wanted to mention too, like, I just wrote a astrology article about Walt Whitman, who has a lot of Gemini placements. And I know you're a Gemini moon mm-hmm. and, you know, he says you know, we're, we're full of contradictions or, you know, and it, it reminds me of a lot of the things that you talked about with, you know, holding space for our multitudes. Yes. Uh, so yeah, thank you so much for sharing your evolution with such honesty. It's helped me. So <laughs> you <loved one. laughs>
1: thank you. Thank you so much for for inviting me and for inviting me to speak about this. I mentioned, you know, before we started the interview to you that this is actually not the easiest thing to speak about because it makes me vulnerable, but I've I've really relished the opportunity to be able to honestly share. So thank you for making that possible and for being so inviting and holding space for that.
0: Oh, I'm I'm in it. All right. Well. Thanks, Jesse. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next time.